0: I wanted to take a quick minute to talk about one of our sponsors that make this podcast possible, and that's Parker Sporlin and the Catch-All Filter Dryer. Do you know what can reduce system efficiencies and reliability within your refrigeration system? If you answer contamination, you are correct. Sporlin Catch-All Dryers have been been around since 1947 and have been perfected over the years to capture water, acid, solids, debris, including sludges and varnishes. For best practices, change the catch-all filter dryer if any of the following occurs. Initial system install, when a system is open for service or repair, when excessive pressure drop of 5 PSI across the filter dryer, when the see-all sight glass indicates water is present, when doing a T1-1 acid test kit, says there's acid present, during a compressor burnout cleanup, and following a successful burnout cleanup. To find out more information, by downloading Bulletin 40-10 from Sporlin.com with all the catch-all filter dryer information. Thanks guys, enjoy the episode.
1: Hey guys, today's episode is sponsored by Westermeyer Industries Serviceable Oil Floats. Many oil separators contain an oil float to effectively meter separated oil back to the compressors. Westermeyer Industries has taken this concept and perfected it with their new line of serviceable oil floats. These floats feature an improved design with fewer components, allowing for greater manufacturer consistency, and up to 20% increased oil flow versus their legacy models. These floats also feature an integrated magnet to shield the oil path from debris and have been field proven in supermarket applications. Westmeyer Industries offer replacement oil floats not only for their own separators, but also cross compatible models for our competitor oil separators as well. You can find out more about the Westermeyer Industry serviceable oil floats by visiting westermeyerind.com backslash floats. Once again, that's westermeyerind.com slash float. Let's get on with the episode. Attachment to the material is detachment from the spiritual. I'll tell the guys at the deli, maybe they'll make you a metaphysical ham oh. i rye. How'd you do that? Hi! It's actually, I'm not even mad. That's amazing. Let me show you how to do it properly. good evening everybody welcome to advanced refrigeration podcast you're here with your host brett wetzel and kevin compass what's going on this week man are you out of town
0: uh no i'm in town just uh doing some more prep work on my uh my rack changeover and uh starting to kind of piece everything together and uh line up all the stuff for us to cut it start cutting everything over next week and then uh other than that, just running some service calls in between to kind of fill in the fill in the time. While you, uh,
1: shit, uh, working on stuff at home, uh, trying to get, get some videos out, working on some other projects. Um, just always staying busy.
0: Oh okay. yeah, I've recorded like a ton of E two training videos. Yeah, that- I'm going to start
1: <laughs> editing those this weekend.
0: That hopefully it'll be out uh, soon for you guys.
1: Sounds like a plan. So tonight we're going to be talking about uh, split valves and split condenser. Um, Kev, you want to start off?
0: Yeah, that's fine. I'll start off. Um, All right, guys. So it's cold out. It's hitting, you know, it probably got to like 40 degrees in Texas and hit... For all those guys out there, and uh, that's cold to you people. Um, what what was it last week? Was it, was, was did it get colder than forty?
1: It was it was actually about eighteen last week. To be honest with you,
0: <laughs> surprised the whole state didn't shut down again.
1: <laughs> well, there is no precipitation, so you know we're we're good there. As long as it doesn't snow, you know everyone's fine as far as driving. But they can they can deal with the weather. Um. Actually, it's funny that you mentioned uh, that we're talking about this now. You know, um, <laughs> the guy a guy was at a store, and the receiver levels, you know, he, he sent me a picture of them, and both of them were at 50%, 50% at one point, and then it just dropped off to nothing. And I didn't, like, the last thing I told him to check, because, like, he was intermittently calling me back every time he'd find something new. And <laughs> I said, you know, you're at fifty percent. There's no way that it just, you know, disappeared unless both racks got hit by a forklift exactly the same time. You know, you'd have to check out the the split side of the condenser, and lo and behold, I didn't I didn't get a phone call back after that. So I think he found what was what was the
0: problem. <laughs> yeah. So um we'll go over this since everybody's like experiencing this cold snap and just go over it. So why do we split the condenser? answer Okay. Uh, we split the condenser because we need to reduce capacity in the conde- uh, reduce capacity of the condenser because if we're running full condenser and it's 18 degrees outside, we now have a condenser that's way oversized. So we're not going to be able to maintain that head pressure and we're gonna have to do it with flooding valves and fan cycling. So the reason we split the condenser is, we cut that condenser in half so now we increase we decrease the size of that condenser and we decrease the refrigerant charge needed to maintain that condenser running in the min, in the winter time now we do this a couple ways you could do it with a three-way valve splitting it you could do it with actuated ball valves you could do it with a cds valve you could do it with solenoids There's all kinds of types of ways to do this. There is 50% split. uh, There is 100, 75, 25, 50% or 25%. I've seen it split four ways. I've seen them split five ways. It all depends on how you load up a rack and how it's designed. But that split is there to reduce the actual size of the condenser. So that way we use less gas and we have to flood the condenser with less refrigerant. That that is its main purpose. Because if we had to take a 12 fan condenser, let's say, and flood it, you're talking hundreds of pounds of refrigerant. Okay, if you take that same 12 fan condenser and you cut it in half, now you're talking half the amount of refrigerant to flood it. So that that's why we're do, we're doing this. And in certain climates, like say Florida, for example, it's not getting to 18 degrees really in Florida ever. So say florida gets to 50 okay they could split the condenser and use fan cycling and be fine and and maintain a, a good quality head control uh pressure but up here in chicago there are times when last year when it was um, like minus 10 minus 15 for like three days i had a couple racks where the fans hadn't come on in days we were just running on holdback valves with split condensers. And if we wouldn't have had that, we would have never been able to maintain our saturated condensing pressures.
1: You guys, you got to remember when whenever you go down in temperature, like if it's sized for 120 degree ambient, you know basically if the unit you know, go if the ambient temperature gets down to 60 degrees, basically half of what it was originally designed for, you know that condenser is now double the size, and that's why we're able to actually split. know split the condenser same thing you know same principle with single uh single condensing unit units a lot of times bone will uh, put a, a thermostat in there that splits at 60 degrees um or you know a thermostat that shuts off at 60 degrees so basically you can shut off one half of your condenser and still have the full capacity because of the ambient temperature
0: Correct. And obviously, there's a couple, you know, caveats to this we got to make sure we do. uh We obviously got to make sure we get the refrigerant out of it because you don't want to have all the refrigerant sitting in the condenser all the time. So you need to have a pump out line. You need to pump the refrigerant out. So this is something I see guys miss a lot, especially in areas where they don't have uh, a lot of uh, colder ambience. So You'll actually log gas inside the split side of the condenser. So there is a pump out line that's pumping out the refrigerant. So you either have a separate pump out line or if you have a three-way valve, uh, Sporlin makes a B-type three-way valve. The B is a pump out style. So anytime you see a B-type three-way valve, meaning it has a built-in pump out, not the fastest. So a lot of people will put a uh, uh, pump out solenoid in. Sporlin makes a great pump out solenoid. And it's an orifice solenoid works great. Or uh, some manufacturers like Husman, they'll put a uh, orifice, like a fixed orifice on and use a solenoid on that to uh, pump it out. Or Hill Phoenix will use a cap tube. Not a big fan of the cap tube. There's a big leak potential there, but they all work. You just need to get the refrigerant out of there. Because if you leave the split side full of gas, it'll log and it'll sit up on the roof because the refrigerant always wants to go to the coldest spot. So, like, first things first, when I'm, uh, you know, troubleshooting racks or like I I have receiver level calls in the wintertime and I'm in split, the first thing I do before I do anything else, I'll look at the receiver, but... First thing I'm going to do, as long as there's no gas spraying out of the room or oil everywhere, I'm going to walk right over to the split side, throw a gauge on it, and see what the pressure is. If it's not a suction pressure, I'm going to, you know, break out the recovery machine or do whatever I got to do and start pumping out the split side and figure out what's going on. Because either you have a check valve bleeding through, you have a uh, solenoid or the whatever split device is not working, or your pump out is not working because all your refrigerants, you know, logging in that side of the condenser. So, that's one thing to, you know, keep in mind, you know, especially when you're troubleshooting this stuff is, you know, make sure that split side is completely empty of refrigerant, pumped out, down to suction pressure. And some things can be deceiving, like we've had this before, um, when guys will go check that, okay, but if it's on like a plus 18 rack and you don't have a check valve on the pump line, it could actually go backwards into the into the condenser. So if it's if it's colder and plus 18 outside, it'll actually condense gas in the condenser from the suction.
1: Yeah, usually that pump out line, you know, um, depending on the, the pressure of the rack. So low temp racks will typically pump out a little bit faster than medium temp because of, the, you know, how low the suction pressure is. But typically it takes anywhere from three, three and a half hours, uh, as long as you're not splitting right when it's you know zero degrees outside you know typically when whenever it's called upon initially at the 55 60 50 50 degree range it should pump out with you know typically within three to three and a half hours uh sometimes there is uh, screens in front of these uh, solenoids that can be blocked you know potentially taking a lot longer um kevin was referring to the check valves um on the liquid drop leg side you know typically the way that things are, are piped in you have your two lines coming from your discharge um split either with you know like you said before the three-way valve uh normally open solenoids uh C- cds valve whatever have you and you know basically you have two drop leg uh drop leg uh check valves on the drain leg and the reason why you have that is is really for pressure drop um typically you know you're not splitting the other side of the condenser so technically you know if you really think about it you wouldn't need it but we need it so we have even flow across that condenser same reason why we have two normally open solenoid valves on the discharge line a lot of times and we're never ever going to shut that other one reason why is pressure drops we don't have more refrigerant going through the one side than the other um you know basically you have three things going on at at, at one point during split you have the uh, discharge line shutting off you have the fans shutting off for that side of the condenser and then you have the pump out line uh activating to to get that refrigerant out of that side of the condenser
0: yeah i mean so i want to go over one thing because i see this a lot in stores we have we have uh, certain stores that have their split they'll have solenoids okay well it won't be just one solenoid it'll be like four solenoids so you'll have two in a row for or two in parallel for the split side two in parallel for the non-split side so i see this all the time you'll see um you'll be getting pressure back through so the way i I troubleshoot this if i have like a slight bleed through so generally um most manufacturers will put um, check valve It'll have your leg piping be coming down. It'll be check valve or pump out line. I'm sorry, no, it'll be ball, it'll be coming out from the condenser, it'll be ball valve, then it should be pump out line, a tap, and then a check valve. So your leg check valve should be after the ball valve. So what I generally do to, to see if it is bleeding, if the check valve is bleeding through, I will take and I will shut the drop droplet ball valve off. I will pump the line out to like five, five to ten pounds, and I will watch it. And if it does not drop to that five or ten pounds, or if I can't get that little section of line to pump out, I know that that check valve is bleeding through, and that's my problem. Now, if it doesn't bleed through and it, it's holding pressure, you know, if I get it down to like ten pounds of pressure or down past suction and i know that section of pipe because you're talking two feet of pipe between the ball valve and the check valve and the pump outline i know my problem is now at whatever splitting the condenser whether it's the solenoid cds valve the three-way valve then i move on to that now if i have a setup with multiple solenoids generally what i i can do um See, I have a thermal imager, so I'll use that. Um, that's my cheating trick. I can use a thermal imager and see which solenoid is bleeding through. If you get lucky, you could see it with a uh, you could see it with a uh, temp clamp. Usually, the one will be slightly warmer because that discharge gas is sneaking through there. But a lot of times, you may have to end up rebuilding uh, both those valves, whether they're the E42s or OE35s. Um, and those valves should be normally open. So you don't want to see an ME valve there. You want to see an OE valve or a uh, normally open valve. You don't ever want to see a normally closed valve on the split valve. The reason being is you're never going to, uh, if, if you go into fail safe and something happens in refrigeration, you're going to shut the condenser off in high head.
1: I remember the difference between a normally open and a normally closed solenoid obviously you know one's normally open one's normally closed but physically um you'll you know the normally closed will just have a regular 5 16 uh, screw holding the you know solenoid coil to the to the actual stem when you have a normally open solenoid typically there'll be a spacer on the top of the solenoid also you can tell the solenoid uh, coil itself you know we're typically used to uh, mkc1 mkc2 uh, a lot of times you'll see omKc2 um, and that's typically that's a normally open cylinder. The big difference, the coil um, basically has a hole in the bottom as well in the top so it, it can set on that on that stem at a certain height. There's typically a spacer on these on the end of the stem as well as a 716th nut um, on the top. And that you know physically you can uh, see you know which, which valve is which just by looking at that because I've seen you know I, I, during a remodel, um, you know, retrofit, you know, they ended up putting in a normally closed solenoid of one of them and I, I had crappy flow. It just wouldn't, you know, my head pressure was exuberantly high during this this uh, retrofit and basically it was because, you know, the contractor had installed normally closed solenoids on part, not all of the solenoids, otherwise it would have went off on high head. One eternity later. So just be mindful of that.
0: Yeah, I mean... The other thing i've seen cds valves used um and uh i mean they work pretty good so i mean they could step it down the benefit to using a cds valve is you could slowly open the other side of the condenser so you aren't slamming it with uh um hot gas so you could open it slowly um i've also seen sporlin use uh, a sporlin like cds style three-way valve used to almost temper the, uh, temper, the discharge so they could, uh, like halfway split it. Um, they were allowing some refrigerant to go through both. And, uh, I mean, kind of, it was kind of like an off ball thing. I mean, it didn't really honestly work that well.
1: One of the other things uh to look out for um you know i I stated before it typically takes about anywhere from three to three and a half hours to pump out um if it's not pumping out at all you know you want to go right to you know right to the the check valves and and make sure that the solenoid in fact is, is pumping out the refrigerant um a lot of times in a lot of these racks you'll have you know typically you start having problems during the during the winter time when it gets cold um they might have done a pm where they changed out some contactors a lot of times what will happen is the pump outline will actually go through some of the auxiliaries for the contactors and what could potentially happen is if someone wires something up one way or another um maybe the split valve never turns on because they goofed up when they installed the um you know, the auxiliaries on the contactor, you know, the, the purpose of that is to, they don't want any liquid refrigerant getting thrown in the header where it is going to pump out, um, if there's no compressors running. So, I mean, that's, that's the reason for, it, if you see it out there, I know Hill Phoenix is big on that. Uh, I think Kaiser does it, uh, you know, of any other manufacturers Kev?
0: uh, no, not really, but I have an interesting one with that. So I was at a, uh, big box store. Um, one of the ones that, I don't want to say the name. I'll get in trouble again. Um, I was at a big box store, and we had taken down the freezer because the floor had heaved up and uh, still had like maybe like 10 coils running on this rack. Well, it had no load, no unloaders, bunch of compressors out. So they kept losing refrigerant randomly in the middle of the night, and nobody could figure out what was going on. And uh, every time somebody got there, all the gas was sitting in the split side of the condenser. It's freezing cold in Chicago. Um, Come to find out that Hill had wired the split valve through the auxes on the contactor also. So the pump out and the split valve. So every single time all the compressors shut off, the split valve opened. It was doing this hundreds of times a day.
1: I've seen where you know, you know typically it depends on the manufacturer, right? You know you have the the sets of auxiliaries that are through and through, right? And then you have the ones that are you know basically have the normally clo- closed, normally open, and common on the one side, and therein lies a lot of confusion for technicians. I don't know what the hell it is. Um, whenever they have to change one to another, and I had something similar where. You know the we, we didn't find it until oh it was it was it was starting to get cold and basically the liquid level would go from you know 40 50 or 50 or 60 percent you know and then all the way down and it would just it would do this all day long and basically it was because someone backfed voltage through a crankcase heater that would back feed and power not only the split valve temporarily but then the normally open valve so it was it was doing the same thing and I the the, the three-way valve it ended up failing because it was running you figured but you know even if you figure on the low end 200 times a day and then 200 times times 365 because you know it was a year since the contactor was installed do the math it was hundreds of amounts of cycles a you know a, a, a month so it just wore out that OE 35 real quick.
0: yeah that's that's not good. Yeah, I ended up pre-wiring that, even though it was done for the factory. But, I mean, you don't want the split valve shutting off when all the compressors shut off. You want the pump outline to do it, but you want the split valve to only be controlled by the uh, EMS relay. Another thing to watch out for if you guys have stuff that's not splitting or stuff that's, uh, you know, going in and out. I see this a lot on Hussman racks. They do a, you know, pressure control override so in zero zone does this too so they do like a pressure control override that hard locks out the uh, split valve so if it gets you know say like 200 pounds or like 250 pounds it's going to override and hard you know break the power and kill the split valve i see this all the time and guys miss it and uh next thing you know the split valve is uh you know opening and closing randomly and it's that it's that mechanical pressure control is causing the issue
1: good point i've never i've never actually found that one had failed so that's a good find
0: yeah that's uh that's a common aldi thing and uh and and costco that's uh on, on the older husband racks but that's that's a common Aldi issue um so one thing I want to go over real quick is the microchannel splitting. So with the microchannel splitting, especially the Hussman racks, so we're splitting entire banks of of microchannels. We're not pumping microchannels out. So it, a microchannel usually only holds between two banks, only holds 18 pounds of gas. So there's no point in pumping out 18 pounds of gas. So husband usually leaves refrigerant in the, in the microchannel styles. So with those. On the Husband style, usually the way they do the banks and the micro channels, when the last fan that on that bank shuts off, the normally closed of that relay, or I'm sorry, the normally open of that relay. So when that normally the fan is normally closed, the normally open of that relay is tied to the OE35 split valve. So when each section shuts the last fan off of that bank, it energizes the uh, split valve and splits that condenser. So that's why you really want to watch cycling the fans on the the, sp- the the crack coils like that because you're actually cycling the split too. So for that, I mean, you could have on an eight fan condenser, you could have uh, three stages of split. So that's one thing to take into account. I actually rewire those if I'm doing a job. I rewire them so that I can control the splits from separate relays. So that way I could split them and keep them split. And, uh, generally what I do when I'm controlling that stuff, especially the microchannel stuff, I will actually disable banks of fans in like in like, uh, sections. So like maybe if it's like 50 degrees outside, I'll disable the first bank. If it's, uh, 30 degrees outside, I disable the second bank. What that allows you to do is it allows you to load up the first bank more. I'd rather run the first bank with more load on it then cycle the microchannels because two reasons. If you cycle the microchannels, you're going to end up breaking them. I mean, let's be honest. Those things leak like a sieve as it is already. Um, The rapid temperature change is not good for them, but that's how they're doing that. So, I mean, you're not going to have any uh, pump out lines on those unless they customer had them installed or as a customer spec. But they only hold 18 pounds of gas. So that's something to be aware of. So you want your... You know, you're better off running on on two fans. You I mean those micro channels are super efficient, so the the more you could load the fans up, the better.
1: I've only had one store with those. Thank goodness. I, I don't like. Yeah. I'm not a fan.
0: We probably have 300 Aldi, and if you set them up properly, they run great. And if you split the, if you rewire the condensers and split them in banks. Like, they run amazing. Like, we have no head pressure issues all winter long. Uh, we stopped cracking slabs. I ended up uh, splitting it. So, like, I have uh, three stages of split, and I split off temperature. And, I mean, we, we don't crack slabs anymore. We hardly, hardly ever get a crack slab. So, I mean, there, there's tons of them out there. And if they're programmed properly, they run great. I mean, if you if you get the VFDs program right, but if you get a micro channel with no VFDs, it's going to be the slab cracker 5,000.
1: When you talk about the slab, what are you talking about? You're talking about the actual physical condenser.
0: Yeah. The, the aluminum, uh, like V style slabs. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you'll see them like stress crack and then they start leaking like a sieve. I mean, that that's like the number one. They, they actually, I, I was told they stopped making those. Really? Yeah. Um, but I, I'm not really. I I can't really be for sure if they stop making them. Um, but yeah, that's that's one thing. So and then for fans, so like splitting fans. So when we when we split that side of the condenser, we obviously want to shut off that side of the fans, whether it be uh, micro channels or it be uh, normal condenser. There's no point running fans on the side where the refrigerant's not going through. So you also want to split the fans on there. So you either have some kind of splitting relay splitting odds and evens of fans um but you need to kill that that side of the fans
1: like i said i have really limited experience with those i just know i just know like having like a bunch of the oe 35s uh you know on those i don't know i just i that's a lot of cycling on those valves you know what i mean um
0: but yeah i don't know that's uh I'm not a big fan of microchannels, just just for the simple fact that they, uh, I mean, the the temperature change. If you take a uh, infrared gun, do it and just look at it when a fan cycles on. I mean, the temperature change is so rapid
1: because you get a lot of uh, sensible heat change, but as well as a lot of latent as well, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, and it's an aluminum slab. I mean, it's just conducting, it's just conducting heat like extremely well. Gotcha. So other than that, guys, I mean, other than making sure everything's pumped out properly and uh, um, checking your uh, split valves and, you know, checking that side of the condenser. I mean, once you guys go through that, I mean, you're pretty much golden. I mean, make sure you have power to your split valves. Oh, let's go over the Walmart stuff real quick. So like the Walmart and Sam stuff, uh, generally the rack is not controlling the split stuff. especially if you have a Danfoss drive. The Danfoss drive is controlling it. Um so some customers split off temperature like Brett said, like 50 degrees, you know, 40 degrees, something like that. Walmart splits splits off pressure. So they have specific pressure set points for each whatever refrigerant they have and whatever kind of store they're having and they split off pressure. So if you have a smart Dan Foss drive, meaning it's controlling the fans, so it's actually splitting off of pressure. So that drive is going to run that those fans down to a certain set point and it's trying to split at a certain set point inside the drive. Um, when Brett posted, we could always post this, the the spec for it, but uh, it's trying to get the uh, the split down to a certain point, and once it's there for five minutes, it, as long as it's below at or below a certain pressure for five minutes, it's going to energize the split and allow the fans to shut off halfway and the split valves to energize. And then once it gets to a certain... Pressure, it's going to de-energize the split and allow it to uh, to go back into full condenser. This is all done off the drive. Now there is a input to Novar to tell it that it's in split, but Novar is not actually controlling the split anymore. Even if it has relays and it originally was, it no longer is. So that the Danfoss drive or the M four hundred Emerson drive is controlling these, and the drive does all the logic itself. So it's splitting in there there's a relay it's CR3 in the Danfoss cabinets. that is actually doing your splitting so that relay is actually energizing the contacts for the uh the split valve so if you look down like the bottom of the cabinet there's uh interconnecting wires to go to the uh the terminals for the split valve from the old condenser like F9 I think and uh the oh man I don't remember the other terminal I think F maybe F13 that, uh, is controlling the actual split solenoid from the actual condenser
1: well what's what because the relays are the fans are still controlled off of the um the CCM so
0: is it is it not, even- not a split relay because this split comes off of the CCM originally mm-hmm. most of the time so mm-hmm. it was coming back down into a terminal block in the raceway in the in the, the electrical trough so what they did is you break the wires at the at the electrical trough. So when you energize the CR3 relay inside the Dan Foss cabinets, mm-hmm. it also energizes the split relay for the fans upstairs. Gotcha. It backfeeds power back up to the condenser. So it so it gets the split fan relay too. Okay. But that that at Dan Foss drive is doing all your splitting. So there's tests you could do. Um, there's an actual Walmart, like checkout dr- for that Dan Foss drive. And there's one for the M 400 too, to force a split and check it. And, uh, to force everything and make sure it's all working properly. But generally when I see with those, I usually see pressure transistor issues. Um, I'll see temp sensor issues. If the temp sensor is reading off, it's may keep the, uh, condenser pressure too high and it won't go into split or, uh, just generally, uh, I find them wired wrong all the time, to be honest to you. I, I don't know. In the last, like, two years, I've probably found, like, 25 or 30 wired wrong. that never The split never worked. Uh, it never made it past commissioning, or whoever did it, you know, faked it out to Novar to make it, make it seem like it was in split, um, and it passed the drive install thing, but it was never set up right. I find them wired wrong all the time.
1: Is it because the factory installation or? or? Oh, it's
0: field. It's usually the field stuff. It's wires land in the wrong spot. They didn't know where to land them in the condenser, or they crisscross stuff in the electrical trough. Um, Generally, it's it's field wiring issues. Um, yeah. So, and then at the same time that uh, Walmart uses a bypass cylinder in the holdback, that's how they're able to get that pressure down they actually bypass the holdback back valve they do this on all their stores pretty much so there's a, a solenoid on the hold back valve they're bypassing that holdback back valve so they can get that pressure down so the way that the split is set up the normally closed of the split relay powers the bypass of the whole the bypass of the whole back valve the normally open powers the splitting solenoids and the pump outline when it switches to go to split it energizes the split solenoids and it de-energizes the holdback solenoid so now your holdback is in play so that way your holdback valve can't be in play and affecting the floating head pressure or anything else so they bypass that holdback valve wide open until you're actually in split until you actually need it gotcha so well, guys, I think it's a pretty good overview of the split side, a quick troubleshooting thing. Made a quick podcast for you guys. Just uh, give her a listen. And uh, uh, thanks for listening, guys. Catch you next time. Thanks. Hey, good effort. Way to go. Way to go. Damn. You assholes know I'm being sarcastic, right? This is blame man. It's just a buckle, hey. This is black and this world. The next one's a barn, just a big dog, yeah. My kennel came in the backyard. My barber in life is a dog.